excited about today's five. Well, it's not five minutely. This today is going to be our, we'll call this L squared leadership lessons from, and a slight nod to Lysio because I can't do L cubed. What would three be? L three. It would be L cubed. Yeah. L cubed is it. We can L cubed. Leadership lessons from Lysio. That sounds kind of cool. Hello and welcome. We are all the sons of CPAs. Join us with this week's L cubed. Oh, I can't do L cubed. So I can't write that. I'm going to have to do L squared with your hosts, Chris Farrell and Scott Scarano, another sub host. I'm excited about this one. We're going to take an article. Usually in five minute leads, we take an article from Carbon Magazine. Now we're moving up to the front office and taking an article from Lysio Magazine. Well, not really a magazine, though, is it? It's a blog. It's a blog. We can do a newsletter newsletter okay no no glossy print the newsletter there's an l in the newsletter it's l4 so i like this article because you wrote it about six months ago leadership lessons and i'll put link in the show notes leadership lessons to take care of others we must first take care of ourselves so first take a step back and your mindset in this article is mostly talking about life in this arrival of COVID in this new world where work and home are becoming inseparable. I think I feel that too. Family and work, we're in direct competition for attention. Oof, I'm feeling that now too. We went fully remote. We had an office before COVID. Now we're fully remote. You guys ever have an office office? Yeah, we had two offices. We had two offices, one in California, one in Indiana. We let them both go. Fortunately, our leases ran out just a couple of months after COVID really started to hit and we went fully remote. Are you looking back at all? We're going to, we're going to get an office again. I think we have a, we have a great place for people to gather, but it's going to be really different. We're going to give everybody a choice as to whether or not they want to go to the office and if they do for how long, but when you have a lot of people who are younger, the social aspects, the team aspects, the fact that, you know, we can get together in a joint space is really powerful. So we, we like that. Certainly nothing mandatory. I think people do need that choice. First, you do need a space. Sometimes you need to get away from kids. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's, my kids were out of school yesterday for a teacher work day. I don't even, I forgot about teacher work days. I know they exist, but just a random Tuesday, no school, everybody's home. I can't get anything done. Every day is a work day for a teacher, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that is true things. too, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if... They're supposed to be hold for snow days, but nowadays, are they going to have snow days? Because they can do everything online. They've proved that last year. They can. They can. I think, you know, if you have kids, you want to be home to be with them. Yeah. If you have kids, you want to go to work so you can get some work done too. And what's the right balance? I don't know. We're, who are we to say as, quote, employers, um, mm -hmm. what's right for people? I think the whole point is that work is such a big part of life that work has to fit in life in a way that makes sense for everybody. You know, that's the only way you're gonna get the best work out of people. You can't jam work in front of people saying, hey, do it this way, then just expect to get their best. It's just not gonna happen. Uh, at least not with knowledge workers. Maybe you're making widgets, you're stamping those out all day, sure. But yeah. in the county profession, knowledge? No, no, that doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. We need space for, space to create. And for knowledge workers, they have to create space to be able to do their work. With this in mind, we're now taking the first step towards solving the long-standing problem of work-life balance. So 
you know, personally, I think that I don't have much balance in my work life, but in this, it used to be that I was working way too much. Now I think I'm not working enough at all because I'm just distracted by everything else going on in the house. I'm distracted with this podcast. <laughs> I don't do any real work, but I don't know what is real work anymore. I don't know. Like the, the problem towards solving work-life balances, I think it, it is just balance too. We're, you're obviously in an enviable position. I think for, for the rest of us working stiffs, we're doing an awful lot of work constantly <laughs> and, and struggling to fit it in with everything else, particularly all the family stuff and getting oh, back I out would, there. Yeah. I have a terrible work ethic. I don't think anybody should be envious. I, my terrible work ethic is I work way too much or I don't work at all. Like the balance is, is really the problem. And well, to, I mean, to be fair, I, I don't take it for granted that I do have a, a very good team. I like that part of the article. The key isn't another vague platitude such as work smarter, not harder. It takes a lot of hard work for a lot of things, you know, and we do have to work pretty hard at our jobs. Our jobs are not that easy. You know, there's no right answers. The hard thing about hard things is, especially running a company, you know, you don't know the right thing to do in a lot of cases too. Yeah, and I think to find what work is, right? I think for so much of what's happening, particularly when we're remote, so much of work is just trying to answer email and just try to be there when Slack or Teams chimes. If you're not there when Slack or Teams chimes and, you know, let's say you're out doing something or whatever, do you just drop everything and to respond to a kind of a nothing request? And that means you're working. I don't know. It doesn't feel right, but I feel like that's what people, particularly at least what we were going through a lot of within our company in the first few months of COVID. We were just trying to communicate, stay in touch, but it just ended up being this endless stream of digital pings. Unstructured. Yeah. There was no, um, that wasn't work. That was responding, but it wasn't working. So our know, buddy Cal calls that the hyperactive hive mind, the unstructured communication back and forth pings. And it, it, that kind of threads the needle for your top five experiments that you were running now. And one of them is minimize the use of chat apps. So how is that going right now for you? It's awesome. It's awesome. I think chat is great for morale. And I think we have these morale channels that are really cool, but we encourage everybody to mute them. So when you want to go in there and check and, and kind of dive in, see what's happening in the company, you can go into our general channel or celebrations channel, whatever it is, and get some interesting news feeds of what's happening in the org. But that stuff is all muted. Right. So you get the morale benefit without the distractions. And then unless for the other main channels, which are alerts are still running on for those channels, if you're going to send something, think twice. And I think the toughest part for us was to break the habit and to help others break the habit. So if you get a, an important quote unquote, important ping, but it isn't important. Can you go ahead and gently nudge them back into, Hey, look, use email for that. Cause email is checked very, very infrequently in our company. So if it isn't important, put it in email. We'll handle it as. Ooh, that's interesting. We don't ever email each other ever. And, and I don't know when we started that. It was a while ago. It was before the whole go, moving away from email for a lot of things. We very rarely, and this is, this is to the point of the one above here is maximize use of project management tools. A lot of our pings for each other are happening within the project management tool. Ours is carbon for a back office, but that's where a lot of our internal communication is happening because it's structured. It's based on what's the work item and what is it that I'm communicating? And it's tied to 
a response. Maybe there's a client email. And then we're talking to each other in the thread in between emails with the client. So it keeps everything within context. Super smart. Yeah, we use Miro for our project management. Oh, that's um, cool. If it's like, a, if it's project related, put it in Miro. If it's tier one communication, put it in the Teams. And if it's tier three, which is morale kind of stuff, put it in the Teams, put it in a channel that everybody has muted. Tiers. Interesting. Yeah. I would like to hear more about these tiers. So tiered communication and, and urgent, is that more or less urgency or? It is. Yeah. So if it's tier one, like meaning if somebody sends me a team's chat right now, then that means they think that's important enough that if I can respond right now, it'll save them more time than it's going to cost me to context switch. So if somebody's blocked or we have an urgent issue, great tier one communication, send it in teams. If it's something, you know, let's say if there's a discount on something from, you know, a vendor and we get a chance to realize that discount before the end of the month, send that on email because it's probably a forward, whatever. I will check it at some point this week. Fine. And then if it's, Hey, look, you know, here's the latest updates from the, the wins we had today that goes into a tier three bucket that is totally unalerted, no response required. Tears for peers. I like it. Your, your tears for your work peers chatting. Uh, yeah, that's the chat apps. Like I, I tried to draw a hard line on using Slack and the pings back and forth, but really it was just one person that was using it way too much. And once I started seeing the trends there and monitor and everybody was very mindful of that one person, you know, now I see that they're only using it intentionally. They're not no, I think it, it kind of, it comes from the top for a lot of organizations. If the owner is using these apps frequently, then everybody's going to. So it's always a top down, you know, lead by example, but then it's clients too. Clients tend to be less or more disruptive when they need something and the certain persona or the client type is going to, we need to drop everything for them. They're going to send a ton of emails or call or whatever it is to finally get a hold of us. But then when we need them, poof. So I think that's within organizations too. You're going to have that with a lot of owners or management. Totally agree. I'm sure you have clients that way too. I'm sure there's some firm owners that are anxiously reaching out to you guys because something went wrong on the platform or whatever it is. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, the great part about it is you know, it allows us it, it heightens our focus, right? The more people call in, the more we realize it's just product feedback, really. It, and it's, I think we, in an accounting firms, it's service feedback, right? Are we timely? Our service is our product. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, I just see it as a feedback opportunity. If people are constantly calling us, we record every call. Uh, we do deep dives into how long it takes us to respond by issue type. And that allows us to go in there and either figure out what the problem is and, and build a long-term solution so we don't get those calls anymore. Or if we do, there's a lot shorter. I, I want to start recording calls. I think we have, we use Dialpad internally and, and I think we have the ability to do that, but I don't, I don't even have the time to, to go through and look at these calls. And also like they're, they're so variable, like it's different. I guess that there is a common thread of what people could be calling about, but a lot of times everybody, when they think about their calls, it's just like so many different ones across the board, but you know, I guess. We've got a major scatter plot, but what we do is we will take the calls and we'll measure them by duration. So we use Ring Central. We'll dump every call out by duration and I'll get a histogram every week of 
how many calls we got that week by from zero to one minutes, from two to five minutes, from five to 10, whatever it might be. And I can show you the charts, but every week we get, we see that trend. And so if we see a ton of calls in the zero to one minute, why? Was well, that a password reset? Is it it's some kind of crazy easy issue that we can probably go ahead and knock out? And then sometimes we see calls that take us more than, let's say, 20 minutes. That means our clients are not having a good time. So we'll dive into those. We'll put a lot of emphasis on those. And over time, we'll continue to work from both ends to really draw those call times way down. And ultimately, we just don't want to have the calls come in because our presumption is for every client that calls in, there's 10 more that have mm -hmm. that same issue that aren't calling in. So it really becomes this whole service feedback that we want to get right. So at a firm... Yeah, you know, a lot of it's email. I think we they don't we don't get too many calls. Maybe we do. I don't I don't see too many calls. A lot of times, they can text or call the their account manager, but you know, being able to do you ever aggregate the? Do you guys get emails and calls too? Oh yeah, we get emails, and those all go into our system. We do exactly the same thing. We take a look at every single one we get. How long does it take us to respond to them by issue type? And same rinse and repeat safe process. And, and frankly, the what's coming in via email, what's coming via your phone tend to be are pretty similar sure. in terms of types of issues. But yeah, we, we take that stuff to heart because kind of like we were talking about earlier, the more we're getting chatted at on Slack and Teams and that kind of thing, the more disruption there is in our day and the less flow there is. Same thing happens. We want to respond, our service levels, we want to respond to all of our clients within 120 seconds. That's our goal. And so if that's the case, then you really want to tamp down the number of inbound action items you have, you know, over a period of not months, weeks and months, but over periods of quarters and years, that becomes a really important trend line to show improvement over. 120 seconds. Yeah. I don't think uh, that's an aspiration for me. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of, anything that we would need to respond to because it, it's kind of different too you're it's somebody that's trying to work within your platform i, I think i don't know may, maybe i'm not drawing the right line but i don't think you're drawing the right line frankly because everybody is the same the the, the person calling us is the same thing the same as a person calling you which is a very busy individual who's got a million demands on their time and wants satisfaction at the moment then is going to get it from somebody, whether it's us or somebody else. Eventually, that's where the, this whole thing is going to end up. If we take today's world and to say, look, in five years, where is this thing going to be? It's going to be virtually instantaneous, isn't it? Yeah. So we might as well be working on that practice and honing that practice right now. I don't see how we could avoid it. If we've got a bunch of stuff hanging out there on email, the clients we've got to call back, things we've got to respond to, that feels terrible. It feels like the weight of the world. But if we're responding in the moment and we're able to address the issue not by putting the client on hold or having to go away and do a bunch of research, all this kind of stuff. But if you have all the tools at your fingertips to knock it out, then there's no backlog. There's no overhead. You can leave work saying, I'm done. So at a firm, I'm thinking about it like a knowledge worker. How do they manage or do they not? Do you separate the jobs to where somebody that's actually doing work versus somebody that's responding to clients? I think you have to. My, my personal belief is you have to put the information and the tooling at the hands of the person who's going to pick up the phone. It could be anybody in the organization because that's going to change vacations, lunchtime, sure. et cetera. But everybody has to have 
you know, you really have to have a layer that allows anybody who picks up the phone or picks up the chat to have everything there. If you don't have that, if you have information silos, it'll never work. And that's going to create this backlog and that's where balls get dropped and all that kind of thing. It's interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. That's where we have to. I, I like that. So dedicated blocks of uninterrupted productivity time, that may not be the person who's answering the phone. That's somebody that's working and working on, let's say, tax returns or accounting work or whatever it is. So there's a difference. Or are you saying that people taking shifts and working versus not? Because that's what I'm trying to balance. We do the shifts. So our support team does shifts. So we're doing some time with dedicated time with clients on meetings, et cetera. And then you can't sit here and do what we're doing right now, which is talk all day. Yeah. You're going to want some hours of quiet time. So our quiet time, quote unquote, is really working on anything that comes inbound. We don't get many calls, to be honest. Yeah. More people are more likely to chat us or to email us. That's very convenient. Yeah. Super convenient. And guess what? Because of that, it allows us to answer so fast because we know what questions are going to come. So we already have templates ready to go to send you the answers. So here's the secret about our business. We have over... We have six figures of users on our platform. We might get 12 inbound requests a day. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. You got to put the stuff, you got to understand what the problems are, give the clients everything that you possibly can to make them successful because clients in effect want to self-service. Nobody wants to have to call in. How about movement throughout the day? This is a good one too, just because our bodies and minds kind of work together, right? We can't be sitting all day. So I don't know if this is an experiment, everybody's working remotely. So you can't really control if they're getting up or not, or if they're doing this. So how do you, um, we can try. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> here's, here's what we did. Here's what we did. We tried. So we offered to a segment of our, of our team, a Peloton membership and not the bike, just the membership because membership pet, this got yoga, it's got stretching, it's got running, it's got all sorts of really good stuff that you can do at home. It's super cost effective. And what I like about that is with Peloton, you could actually friend each other that creates a little bit of like team accountability, not just accountability. I should say it. it creates team transparency. So the team can motivate each other. So if you didn't get up and do your 20 minutes in the morning, like everybody else did, your peers can say, Hey, you know, you haven't hit it, which it kind of breaks the stigma because during the workday, should somebody be working out or would they say, I need to sit at my desk and make sure I'm there in case the computer beeps. And so. Peloton is really interesting in the sense that you can create this little mini community inside your work where you can start to share that. I would say that some people have embraced it. Some people haven't. Right. Yep. And you know, who are, you know, I'm not to say, and I'm not certainly not one to enforce that, but I do think over time, maybe in six months and 12 months, et cetera, as people choose to onboard onto this kind of program, it'll be there for them. And I'm hopeful we'll see very high adoption rates over time, but I would still say it seems to be better because those who have adopted it are feeling better and those who haven't still have an opportunity to, we're not giving up. Yeah. And it, it, it spreads too. So we, we did something similar, not the, not a membership, but we had a shared Google sheet where people, if it was push-ups, if it was on a walk or if it was steps, whatever they wanted to track, record every day that they did that. And after about the third month, I was the only person doing it. <laughs> it, it people just started dropping off one after another, you know, everybody was all gung ho, you know, 11 team members that were recording what they were doing each day. Some were doing pull-ups, push-ups, exercising, lifting weights, whatever it was. And then people just kind of stopped. And I don't know if it was 
you know, maybe, maybe they need another community or something outside of that for more motivation. Gamification. It's the gamification, right? The yeah. Apple watch tells you if you close all the rings, like how important yeah. are the rings to you? To me, you got to pay attention, right? Yeah, exactly. It puts it in front of you and it rewards you. It says, Hey, look, you're on a seven day streak. That feels good. Right. A little dopamine yeah. hit. I don't get the dopamine hit from the spreadsheet. So that's why we had this hope for Peloton. Like, look, Peloton's going to do all this stuff to remind you and to get you to go do it. And it just gamifies it really. I think it tries to make their platform obviously a lot stickier. So yeah, I think there's a lot there. Well, gamifying it. I, I think we need to revisit that at my firm. We need to gamify these things and then have prizes. I think the prize is kind of also, even if it's not something huge, it is also a sense of pride, you know, prize pride. Yeah. So how about this last one? This is a good one. No internal communications after business hours. How do you define business hours? You have people all across the country, right? Oh, sure. Well, we know where, where everybody is. And I think what I do is I do a lot of stuff where I'll put it in the drafts or I'll put it on send at a future date, right? Uh, and I, I definitely won't send anybody anything over the weekend. It's funny. Um, I know, for example, I work with Allison and she keeps her email alerts on 24 hours. So if I send her something via email, which is our, my tier two, I don't want to bother your communication, she'll respond within five minutes all the time. Saturdays, Sundays, et cetera. And I told her, I said, look, just turn off your email notifications. Just shouldn't even be on on the weekend, right? Because you got to get, you got to get rest time. You got to get some downtime. She refuses to do it. <laughs> so she's defeating me. It's so, so hard. Like I, yeah. so I'm speaking of notifications. So it's been a while since I've turned mine off and now I don't need it as much as when it was on, when it was on. And then I turned off, it, it was very hard for me to balance the two, but now yeah. I've, I've, it's changed my entire mindset of my phone. I don't feel the need for my phone as much as I used to now that I have no note. I don't even have notifications for calls, te texts, anything. And I don't know which ones I should turn back on if I should, because it feels good to not need that. And then, you know, it, it's hard to keep up with certain things too. If you let it go, you don't have anything notifying you that there's something there until you intentionally go there, whatever there is. I don't have notifications on my watch either. So I feel like I'm, I'm living in the old days where I actually have to intentionally pick things up. Um, and it's, I think it would, it was very hard. At least I wanted to at first to turn everything off, but the times that I didn't want to, I can, I can definitely empathize with Allison because I don't think I, I would have ever turned anything off when I was always on 24 seven, like not 24 seven, but when I was always on, I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. I wasn't, uh, and I was always being reactive to everything. I feel like now everything more or less is a choice and it's not, you're not being controlled by those. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. I think from my perspective, doing that for everything, turning everything off is not going to be ideal just because something might happen to the organization. It could be a server issue, something like that. I've got to be available. So I just said, look, Slack, it, Slack or Teams, whatever, you know, I'm on both. If you really, really need me, use that. But you know, that's like break glass, right? You need me. You need me get tier find me there. Tier one then, or tier three? Tier that's one. The most, okay, tier that's one. Total, that's total tier one. But if you email, like what percentage of email is anybody getting that is worth getting a notification for? What percentage? It's super, super low. So let's say it's 10%. That means 90% of those alerts, those contexts, which is are totally irrelevant, <laughs> which is why when I look at Allison, I'm like, look, if you're doing this for me, 
don't do it for me, right? Because I know you're going to get bleeps and bloops from all this other stuff, spam, phishing, everything's going to disrupt you. So just turn that stuff off. You know, if I really, really need you, I will call you or I'll use tier one on our team's channel. Yeah, I, um, I think I might have to turn some of my alerts back on. That, that's the, that's the conclusion I'm getting to. And I don't know which one's going to come on first, but right now I'm kind of, I'm enjoying them being off still. Maybe this is my 2021, this is my experiment. I experimented with it. I don't think I had them off in 2020. I think I finally did that this year, like February, March. And then I just noticed it the other day. It was like, okay, I have an entirely different mindset toward my phone and toward everything else around me because they've been off. So for anybody that feels trapped by their notifications, try that. I think you're living proof that eight or nine months down the road, it hasn't cost you, right? So maybe you're onto something. Maybe. It hasn't cost me anything because there's never an emergency. Like we don't have a server. <laughs> I, know, I know you brought up server as that thing. Like any emergency, it's not my responsibility to fix it. At least it wouldn't be in within 120 seconds for me. So I don't even definitely like, you know, if, if I were to turn my notifications back on that 120 second thing could be relevant, but I, I think I've removed myself from even thinking that that's, that's a thing. Like I, maybe a day is reasonable for, at least for our communications. And it's managing expectations too. If you're, if your expectation for you, for your team, for your clients is 120 seconds and you start missing that, then they're going to know something's up. Yep. I think it's interesting too. go back to the Cal Newport thing, right? So if everybody knows you're not going to be immediately available, they're going to try to solve it on their own. Yeah. Bother you. Oh, they really powerful. (laughs) They very much don't want to get me involved in stuff anymore. And. I can appreciate that because it used to be where I felt like I had to be involved in a lot of things, all the things I felt like I I needed to be there. Like as much as I want to delegate this and it's not my responsibility, you need my help. I need to help. I I need to come in and save the day, but very rarely do I need to do that anymore. That's a mindset shift too. And I can appreciate it, but now I have to figure out where I am needed. I don't know where I'm needed at the firm. That's an exciting challenge that I'm, I'm up for. Where am I needed? I, I realize that now. So this it is sounds cool. like the pinnacle to me. <laughs> You're at the pinnacle. I, I hope so. I think I'm, I'm still climbing a little bit, but we'll get, we'll get there. So as, as we go through these, does it feel like this experiment for you? Is it not, is it an experiment anymore or is it just a, a lifestyle and a way of doing business it's becoming a way i think it's it's hard to go back i think it's kind of like if you turned off all your alerts and then you put them all back on it would be total chaos right you've gone from chaos to peace i think we're on that same kind of a trend which is you know what's the point what's the point of of doing work it's to get important things done right to accomplish important objectives and that kind of thing and how are we going to do that well we're going to do that by bringing our best selves to work by applying ourselves in an uninterrupted fashion to really accomplishing things quickly and with great results. And it's not to sit there and bug each other with all the alerts and everything. 
So that stuff's really working out. And some of the other tests that we've been running for movement have been great for some. So I'd say that's a net positive. There's no net negative to it. And we've been working on the whole sleep thing. So we got aura rings for a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's working out really well. I think people are paying attention and I just check in with them. Like, how's it working? Has it changed any behaviors, et cetera? Like, yeah, I'm realizing if I do X, like, you know, stay up super late or, you know, have too much drink or whatever it might be, the ring just tells you, Hey, look, and it's like the gamification thing. You want to get a better score. So it's kind of like it's gamifying people into better habits and they're realizing how much better they feel when they have good habits. So all these things start to compound. It makes you think twice more before maybe staying up and watching another episode of that show or having another drink or anything. Like it's just, I got a, I got nineties three nights in a row on my aura. That's, that's pretty intense for me. En- enviable. It's enviable. Uh, yeah. yeah and, you, and you want to keep it going. Like it's gamified. You've measured it. You know what you're doing, right? You know, when you're going to bed, you know, it's so cool. But like you say, like some people, if they drink, they can't sleep. Some people can drink and to- sleep like a baby. This, it's, it's all has to do with the person. But we do know that once a person learns what makes them feel great constantly, they're more likely to do it over and over. Yeah. It's really good. Put the, so for any listener that enjoyed this, we got Chris featured in our next episode coming up. And if you are listening, if you could leave us a review and subscribe, that would be great. I don't even know when I'm going to release this, but I'll probably release it today or some point. I'm starting to get better about the editing process. Thanks, Chris. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Good to see you.